Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Hey, legendary human. Yes, I'm talking to you. Love the show? Why not joining hundreds of creatives already part of our collective for monthly masterminds, challenges, masterclasses, and so much more? We help creatives make a positive impact in the world with their message and their content. So give your creative work the visibility that it deserves. Find out more about how to get involved in the show notes of this episode. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing and share their stories by outstanding content. Hi team, Fam here, founder at Creative Impact and your host of the Make an Impact Show. We are back once again and today I have with me the wonderfabulous Amy. Hi Amy. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing great. Are you ready for another incredible episode? Yeah, I'm excited by this one. Mm -hmm. Why are you excited? What are we going to talk about today? Well, Vicky, is, Vicky Schilling is such an inspiration. So um, yeah, I just feel she's got so much to say and so much to help us with um, right now. So I think this is a great episode for everyone. 100%. And I couldn't agree more because Vicky and I are going to talk about confidence and mindset. And it's something that it, it, she is incredibly passionate about. And obviously I'm too. So to passionate people talking about mindset, it gets really juicy. Um, what I love about Vicky as well is that she is very proactive and, and very pragmatic in the way that she talks, which means she really gives you practical ideas that you can go back to. And she does not hold herself off with this mm -hmm. podcast. She's going to give you loads of tips that you can actually uh, do and put in practice. As a coach for wellness entrepreneurs as well, she really has a unique edge in the way that she helps people. And even if this interview, once again, was recorded way before we were staying at home, there is so much that you can actually take right now and implement when it comes to understanding where you want to go in the next two to three months. Because um, I think it's something that we all like to think about is like, how can we take big goals and turn them into small little chunks that can get us through in the next couple of months? Yeah, just little manageable steps to help us achieve our dreams, achieve those things that we want to do. Um, yeah, I really like she provides very actionable tips, which I think makes it a lot easier. And what I would say as well is one little tip before we jump straight in is 
really to look at what your goals were, what are the things that maybe you haven't looked at in the last couple of weeks, and just think about how can you turn these into like small micro goals? How can you turn the big dreams that you have into small little things that you can do for week by week, every week, to make yourself feel like you are on track with where you want to get and what you're going to go? Because mm-hmm. I think that is something that obviously you will hear in the interview. There's a lot of talk also about the bigger picture. Um, but right now I think it's nice to have that balance. I don't know you, Amy, but some days I feel almost a bit um, overwhelmed by the bigger picture. And I would just like to think about, okay, what am I going to do today? Um, yeah, I agree. It's that balance, isn't it? Yeah, have the kind of overarching bigger picture, but have the like little puzzle pieces that all fit together and just focus on those because some days thinking too far ahead or thinking too big is overwhelming and it kind of cripples you and you end up doing nothing. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Is that the excitement can actually work as a double edged sword sometimes. Yeah. So guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know on Instagram what you think. Check out the show notes so that you can also tag us and Vicky with any ha-has, takeaways, or even action steps for the week. I mean, is there any micro goal now before we leave? Is there any micro goal that you have for yourself for this week? Is there anything that you would like to achieve? This week, I have a few recipes I want to work on. And I think that, yeah, they kind of keep me going as my little goals, just trying to do the best I can do for those brands. Um, Do another workout on Sunday. That's definitely something I want to do. (laughs) So how about you? What are your goals this week? Stick to my calendar. Cause I'm terrible. Um, I can easily tend to like over overdo it or, or go beyond what I should be doing. So actually stick to my calendar and be happy when it's six o'clock, you know, go offline, little yeah, thing. Bam, bam, bam. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Please let us know your micro goals for the week. And now without further ado into our interview with Vicky Schilling. we're ready yes we're, we're primed we're prepped <laughs> yes <laughs> how are you doing vicky i'm very good how are you i'm great thank you thank you for coming from the cold dublin sunny dublin it was a little bit colder than here yeah but it always is so yeah. <laughs> lovely dublin it's always lovely but always a bit colder yeah. are you from this area as in southwest Londonish, UK. Where are you? No, I grew up in Kent, so oh. southeast. I'm a southeast girl, and oh, then when I moved up to London, I was always Greenwich. So yeah, always southeast, always now, south of the river. Now you are Irish expat. Yeah, impact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two and a half years, getting on for three years now. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about Dublin, actually? If you had to pick one. Oh no, I'm going to offend somebody. Whatever I say. Um, <laughs> I, I was as a city generally um, the ability to walk around it how easy it is to get around it, it in terms of walking not necessarily public transport because <laughs> I miss the tube so much and actually having an infrastructure here with transport for London where everything actually just works seamlessly in Dublin everything's slightly disjointed they have two tram lines that don't cross and intersect and bus lines that don't quite join up where you want them to but anyway I still love it it's very easy to walk from A to B get around and you've got the coast and the mountains and the city all within 20 minutes of where I live so love it do you do a lot of work in person I guess most of your work anyway is 
on the laptop when it comes to your clients? Yeah, you... mostly I see people online, um, but I have a good few now in person. Quite a few people prefer it that way. Um, and so I don't even have a co-working space. I go and work in a lovely hotel based in the centre of, of Dublin where wow. they really welcome people co-working and so I just sit there and tend to find a little space in the in the window and see clients there as well in person so yeah that works, works very well to be honest I'm a big fan of uh, you know being optimized when it comes to this kind of like when, whenever it comes to meetings or things like that or even like sessions I find that unless you really desperately need it there's so many ways you can find like a nice space for yourself. Like we obviously are working our private members like space, which is a bit different, but it's still not a good working space. And I'm okay with that. Obviously it's, it's not necessarily as private and obviously being in a meeting booth, but at the end of the day, like you're going to put your full attention to your client. That's what matters the most anyway. And you can save quite a considerable amount of money yeah. on working. Absolutely. Yeah. If I'm not spending two, three, four hundred 400 pounds every month on where I'm based it mean and it also means for me where there is a hotel lobby or somewhere like that I just mix it up so I'm not just in my house True. all the time I'm very good at working on my own I'm quite happy in my own company and I'm quite motivated and my husband doesn't understand he keeps asking me why I don't just turn the tv on and watch tv all day but I'm like I've got stuff to do obviously um but it does mean it mixes it up I do get out and you know see other human beings and <laughs> see the real world it's like that shouldn't be for me like that's what you feel like yeah that's it you know what I was gonna ask you actually even if I kind of knew the answer which is not a big point but um how good are you at working from home and with yourself but I know you are because I know you so I kind of know that that personality yeah and I find that some people, I don't know if you get me wrong, because obviously you said about your husband, but some people really struggle with the idea, how can you do it? Yeah. It's like, just can. Yeah. Some people do really struggle. I had a client earlier um, uh, last year who wanted to st set up her nutrition business and quit her full-time job and said, that's it, I'm going to give it a go working for myself. And obviously a lot of it is like, like you and I do, building websites, building social media presence, building up that no lack and trust, going live on videos, but, but quite isolated really sure. and within a couple of months she said I'm going back to full-time work I need other people and for some people I totally understand that's what they need I quite enjoy my own company I'm very happy to work by myself for an extended period of time my mum always thought I would work in like a library or an archive so I love it. Maybe, maybe this is like the digital equivalent of working <laughs> in an archive Vicky working in an yeah. archive so she's like well you won't talk to anybody um but I kind of I do talk to people but you know it's on my terms and yeah I'm quite disciplined about my to-do lists and having a morning routine trying to get out at lunch times and you know take taking a break which I'm not terribly good at doing um but yeah no I tend to be at the desk doing my work and uh, you know covering it all without really having to think about it you know what I like though the wisdom of mothers I know you say you said that your mum was like oh, I work in library yeah. my mum said um after I started first I was doing um Again, what you literally what you're doing now is so a business coaching for wellness entrepreneurs so about six years ago. That's the only thing I was doing. I remember she said to me, Yeah, I'm glad you did that. Don't know how you're gonna make it work. I was like, Thanks. But I cannot see you working for somebody else. Because I always put more a bit like you. I always want to do more. I always want to do more stuff. I always get myself busy. And it was like, Yeah, I can't see you just waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. Yeah. And I was like, Huh, thanks. I guess it's a compliment. Yeah okay it's interesting your mother will always know you better than you know yourself in in some ways in that they'll have seen you from a tiny child and the kind of tendencies that you have so yeah those, those abilities to 
work with other people, take instructions, <laughs> do the way you want. I like, I just wanted to do things my way. I didn't want to be shown. I didn't want to be told. I just wanted to do it my way. So I suppose that does come through in how I work now. How does that um, work with working with your clients? How, how have you, how have you developed you think already as, as a coach and just like, you know, supporting people in that way? Cause I think it's something that people don't realize like the skills that you need in order to support someone as well. Yeah. I think training as a coach teaches you to be incredibly accepting of other people and the other ways that people work. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that because it works for you, it's going to work for everybody. Yeah. So one of the principles that you go into a coaching relationship and a coaching session with is the client is okay. The client has all the resources they need and the client will make the best decision for them. So I'm not there to judge them and to tell them what to do in most situations. A lot of my coaching is a, a bit of a blend between coaching and mentoring, but with pure coaching, you are totally trusting that the client has the answers and knows what to do. You're just teasing that out of them and asking them the right questions. So I think I've definitely developed as a person seeing how impactful that is by just asking the right questions and not trying to impress something upon them and tell them what to do helping them learn it themselves and I think that's made me a better friend and human being generally as well because I think I'm much more accepting of the way other people work now and the way that they find their own solutions rather than th thinking you should just do it the way I do it surely that's that's the best way and I guess it also puts you in a position where you're getting people to really look for the answers I mean that's obviously coming from my perspective like as, as a person like very personal but I think that you know we like to be told sometimes what to do we like to be told things because a lot of the time it's just how societies work to like how we see the things and so being actually asked to tell us what we want mm. again you were saying this with like people wanting to potentially change their life completely turn it around is not something we're used to do so if you're not used to do it, it's not the first thing you're going to do is like oh you're asking me a question so that I can tell you what I want Oh, oh, yeah, that's new. Yeah, that, I, that's I think loads of people think this, and this is why I always ask people at the beginning when I'm doing discovery calls with people, like, what do you think you need from me? Do you need a men more of a mentor, someone sort of guide you, or do you need a coach? I and I, there's no judgment on, on either side, but quite a lot of people think they just need to be told what to do. Sure. They're like, I just want someone to just tell me what to do, follow their path, follow a blueprint, follow, follow all the answers. I'll just do what you tell me to do. And then magic, I'm going to have a business and I'm, you know, I'm going to be successful. But actually what you learn along the way is that that's not sustainable. Like I'd be a terrible coach if they were, became reliant on me just telling them what to do all the time they need to find that inner confidence and that inner belief of listening to themselves like you said like kind of really knowing and trusting their own instincts on this is the next thing I'm going to do or this is what I'm I think is the right path for me rather than going oh well, I'm, I'm gonna ask Vicky what I think what she thinks I should do because that I'm not always going to be there and you need to trust yourself exactly and also you could tell them what you see from the outside but as you say there's so many things on the inside that are not necessarily spoken for plenty of reasons as you say confidence or lack thereof or, or doubt and these things will also affect the decision that people will make so you cannot obviously read their minds that will be creepy yet incredibly handy <laughs> so because that is something that we cannot do um as you say like having that people just voicing things is such an important thing. I think that's it with, with coaching. That is the thing I think I often underestimate with coaching, just getting people to say things out loud. Like, what do you want? 
how would this look in a, you know an ideal scenario how would that event you're trying to organize or how would that you know product you're trying to sell what would that look like in an ideal world how how would you like it to be that's often not something people have really thought about they've gone into the doubts and oh, this won't work or that might not happen and you know i could be left feeling vulnerable or sad or whatever and actually just saying it all out loud helps them get clarity around it and helps them think, okay, well, if that's the ideal scenario, how can I work backwards from that? What steps do I need to put into place? And so I don't need to feed them with that. I don't need to tell them what that looks like for them. It's really clear. And then we work together on, okay, well, what steps are you going to take to make that happen? Exactly. So it's kind of, it's kind of like helping breaking it down as well. Yeah. A lot. It's kind of funny you say that because I was, um, makes me think about a couple of the last uh, group coaching sessions we do in the collective. And so we've got the members and they can come together in like small groups. And 90% of the time I don't really talk, I ask, how are you? What are you up to? What are you looking for? Like, you know, this month, 15 minutes later, I'm like, was this helpful? Yeah, it was great. And I was like, I didn't say anything. Because yeah. like, I think so little, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously this is kind of what I see sometimes it's just, First of all, you are on your own. Sometimes you say like small business, you don't have anybody to talk to. And not many people will ask you, how are you? What are you doing? What, where do you want to go without if not projecting onto you? But you know, whether it's your friends, your family, they want to make sure that you succeed. They want to make sure that you're happy. So there's always going to be a hidden feeling of like, well, I cannot tell you this. So I maybe I shouldn't say that. And yeah, I find that I'm very similar to you. Like I just let people on the roll if yeah. we're doing that. And it's very different, as you say, from, other ways that somebody can support yeah. you but as you say some people that's literally what they need it's just that accountability isn't it is that yeah. accountability? you need to listen you, as a coach you are listening to them in a completely different way from anyone else they have a relationship with like you said and we were talking about our mothers before you know there's lots of other people in our lives who when they listen to us say i have a problem in my business they want to help they want to fix it they want to save you they want to cushion you're like don't do that you know stay safe and don't push yourself out of your company you know they're all coming from a good place or they're all trying to give you advice i actually had a, a, a male client who was an athletic therapist um, who had exactly this and he would say I would tell my um, you know or talk about problems in my business with family members or my partner or, or friends and they'd all try and give me advice and I'm sick of getting advice <laughs> so the lovely thing about coaching session is I didn't give him any advice it's an advice free zone if, if he would like it to be and he, if people need it to be and then he's just processing okay well what do I need to, what do, actually what do I think is the best thing to do exactly and what steps am I going to take and I'm taking responsibility for that but then it, it removes all of that they're all doing it from a good place but sometimes you need to get back in touch with that inner voice, that inner mentor that Tara Moore talks about in playing big and actually just listen to them and just, and go, yeah, that's, that's what I need to do. Never mind what everyone else thinks. I guess it's just that kind of conundrum of shutting down your own intuition, not necessarily willingly or like really knowing that you're doing that. But I find that uh, pretty much every single time that I felt that I shouldn't have gone for something or I should have said yes to something that didn't feel right. I was proven that there was a reason why my gut or feeling was feeling that way. And I had a conversation with somebody in the past and they were like, there was a bit more of a, you know, black and white mentality. I was like, well, why, why would you trust you got an intuition? I mean, I get it, but you know, first you want to go for like the things that you can see and you can hear. And I'm like, well, I can see kind of my own path. I want to listen to myself because I am the person that wants to build this path for myself. Um, so thank you very much but I'd rather go every single day with my guy. If he's telling me not to take an investment, I'm not going to take any, just, just to give an, an idea. Cause you know, 
sometimes it's that black and white of like, but this is a very business minded decision. I'm like, well, mine is a very business minded solution. My gut is telling me not to go with this because I don't feel it's going to be the best thing for me. I don't care about anything else because I know that my gut is right. And I'll be honest, 90% of the time I've been not proven wrong. Yeah. No, it's, it's bizarre though, because you would think like, oh, come on. But yeah. No, it's, it's sometimes having to override what our brains are, are doing, what our friends and our family are sometimes doing, trying to keep us in the comfort zone and, and trying to overanalyze things. And sometimes we do, we just have to tune into what that intuition is telling us to do. Um, and ultimately, like, like you said, no one else is going to do the work. So I can give you all the advice in the world, but you're the one at the end of the day that has to sit down at the laptop and actually get the work done. And if it doesn't feel right, that's going to feel like an awfully hard process to to do the work and get through it, it should feel enjoyable and like the right thing to do rather than you're forcing yourself against it all the time. So it's kind of like almost becoming, you know, the, the boss of your business rather than being the employee mm. of your business. Yeah. Working almost. on your business, not in your business. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it comes, I think realistically speaking, it does come with the practice of also, like you say, the mindset, which is what you talked about pretty much. Uh, and I guess as, you know, as a coach, but also as a person, it's just, allowing other people and supporting other people with working on their mindset as much as their strategies. And I think there's a place to teach strategies mainly because that's what I do mainly. So mm-hmm. I, I am the person who come for like strategies and tips and hacks. And that's kind of how I feel like I can help people best mm-hmm. because I, I'm a geek mm-hmm. and I love to learn these things and mm-hmm. I love to read research and understand that. But then I understand that that is one element yeah. and I, you know, I give people those things and then they can bring them to themselves. But as you say, if you still don't want to wake up at six in the morning and you're like, Oh, actually, no, I would rather wake up at nine to five. And you know, that will affect what you can do. Uh, This for me taps into exactly how I coach people, which is you sell people what they want and you give them what they need. You're selling, you're right. Like often I'm helping people with, um, you know, how to start a mailing list. Like we're going to talk about, or, you know, um, the practical things, you know, how to find your insights on Instagram or whatever it is, those practical things. Cause they think that's, what's going to make me a successful business person. If I just understood the technology, if I just knew how to show up on camera, if I did all those things. And then actually what you end up doing is unpicking the mindset stuff, which is there's barriers that you put up for yourself. There's fears that are there. There are insecurities. There are things go thought patterns and processes that are going on repeat that you don't even realize in your head that we need to unpick because none of that technology and, and hacks and tips, tips and tricks are going to make, are going to fix the fact that all of that is sabotaging you ultimately. So yeah, so quite often I'll say, great, yeah, we can set up your website and get the tech all running, but often we have to unpick quite a lot of stuff that's going on in the mind. I like it. It's kind of like leaving the little bait. It's like, yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. Boop. And then you give them everything else. But it's true. It's like, it's their kind of like home under approach of you, not just, as you say, like working on the business and in the business, but also wearing pretty much every single hat that you can possibly wear. Yeah. You could have also those weird British hats that you have like for <laughs> weddings that I don't understand. What's it called again? Oh, I don't know. What, what, maybe. Oh yeah. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, guys. I'm sorry. No, not pass- no, that's a fascinator. Fascinator. A pacifier is an American dummy. <laughs> <laughs> don't wear them to a wedding. <laughs> that would be weird. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. And I do think, um, I think it's the same with my clients and I say the same thing to them if they're a nutritionist, for example, and they're saying, well, what people really need is to, you know, have a better relationship with food and, and actually, you know, like themselves and have body acceptance. And Yeah, but what they actually think they want right now is weight loss. 
and actually in a way you kind of have to talk to that and meet them where they are and then when they come on the journey with you you end up completely transforming their relationship with how they feel about their body but right now they're not ready to hear all of that they're not on that journey so you do have to meet people where they are i think and give them what they want before unleashing your <laughs> wisdom onto them about the mindset stuff that really needs to come with it that, that that from a to b that i usually talk about which is like you know like outlining the problem for people in a way that kind of like reiterates the pain points so is yes. relatability yeah and then from the relatability you get into like the solution which is you yeah. but if you start it's kind of like people t- talking to me and asking me um should i focus more on the features of something whatever it is mm. or on the benefits and mm. i always like people are gonna want to look for the benefits the features are actually the bonus in their head is actually what is going to keep them accountable what whatever feature is they should a coaching call that's what people need but they're like yeah 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 yeah. what they want are the benefits are the things that can get them away from that stuck point of a to b so it's very basic psychology here that we're kind of like talking well that's what we do with when we're selling the reset retreats we work with a sales coach on that and it was the same thing and she differentiated it as tangible benefits and intangible benefits so the tangible benefits are you get your own bedroom you get an ensuite you get a goodie bag of things you get you know yoga classes what you know tangible physical things that you get but that isn't what people buy people buy the intangible things the emotions you're going to feel relaxed you're going to feel at ease you're going to feel in control you know all of those things that's what they're buying with their emotions in the end they're not buying like you said the tangible physical things they're just like nice greasy bonuses <laughs> that come with it how how what what is the biggest thing that you learned from actually launching the retreats as well you would say i think it's definitely around sales and and that whole um tangible versus intangible how to talk about something um and convince people um to to buy into something especially when we were just getting started when you've never done it before Mm -hmm. you didn't even have testimonials and i think also for us we've been on a massive journey about pricing oh yeah and how you price things it's a really hard model though to price because the costs of events are always high Mm -hmm. the cost of retreat is much higher the margin of profit I would assume anyway, it's very tricky. Yeah. So realistically speaking, uh, it's... Well, I think some people, it's, it can be very easy for them to come and see the prices that we charge and think that's crazy money. You know, that's, that's huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. But, but like you said, like, well, I can show you the budget and how much the venue, a good venue will cost so everybody gets a nice room for themselves, a chef on site with an assistant, usually yoga or Pilates instructors or someone to come and facilitate all of that. The marketing that you need to do, the, the you know other things that you need to bring on site to make that event happen um it it all adds up and actually Mm. it's not a massive profit making venture um as it might look from the outside and then so what we need to be doing is shifting people's mindsets and and conceptions around it and like is this am i going to get am i going to feel how i want to feel at the end of it rather than breaking it down and being like okay well how much does a massage cost and how much does a yoga class cost and does that all add up to that thing like that's not the point in the end of it it's how am i going to feel and is that um an investment i want to make in myself and often when you i think it's the same with anything with hiring a coach or hiring any kind of external service or someone to do something for you um am i going to get the more you invest the more value you put on that thing i agree i am not saying you should just chart you know add six zeros onto the end of everything but that actually you take it more seriously you show up fully they show up fully for you and that you get more from it because you've maybe felt a little bit uncomfortable at the level you're investing in it but you're taking it seriously rather than kind of 
being flippant about it. I'm quite a big advocate. I mean, I know you are too, just from this, but of understanding that the value you put into something is going to be the value that you get back. Absolutely. And the value that you ask for from people is going to be the value that you're going to get back. So that commitment as well, put it this way. So I do agree that I think it's the economy of obviously marketing is, it's what I like to talk about, but I don't know why I sang that one. Anyway, <laughs> but it is, is a fascinating subject in the way that it encompasses different things, but obviously content is the thing that excites me the most because it's stories and I love stories. And I think, you know, we came from uh, obviously taking time to create them, but then trying to get people's attention. We thought, okay, quality versus quantity, where are we going to go? Obviously, if you up the quantity of the free content that you're going to create in so many different avenues in order to get people's attention, you're also diluting your time, first of all, but also you're kind of continuously giving people that idea that everything that you can give is free. Mm. And it's kind of finding that little balance because I think there is an element of you wanting to show what you can do and who you are yes. and your expertise. Yeah, tick, tick, tick. I'm not going to say never give anything for free, but. I think my, this is my advice. Um, if you don't know, if you're already running up and running and doing your thing and you do want to get people's interest by creating free content, uh, I would say ask somebody, either a friend or like a, a peer or somebody else, like, you know, do you think we, I give out a lot of free content? Mm-hmm. The reason I'm saying this is because it happened to me without me asking. People told me. And two years ago, I had like a lot of people saying, you give out a lot of free content, you know this? And I was like, huh. And since then, we cut it back off. What mm. happened? I had more time to do more oh, stuff. Look at that. But I think it's because it's hard for you to understand sometimes whether you're doing too much. It depends on your personality. And, and I think also we're sucked into a world where we look at everybody else giving away a lot of free stuff. And we think, oh, well, that must be the way to be successful. You must have to give loads of stuff away for free. And I'm, I'm totally into that trap as well. A lot of people say you give away a lot of stuff for free, which I certainly do. And I think certainly for the first year of my coaching business, I wanted to create a good amount of kind of evergreen useful content which yeah. is going to be there and be serving me continuously 100%. i'm definitely cutting down on the amount of free you know blogs that i'm creating i'm only going to be strategic and just do a couple of seasons of the podcast because it, it all takes time um and then like you said people it's an energy exchange isn't it that, that people will um get more from what you offer if they pay for it rather than continually take it for free i mean how many i quite a lot of what we all do is available for free really if you're digging around for it on youtube (laughs) and google long enough but people aren't taking action they're not actually doing the thing they don't have the accountability Um, and that's where investing in it means that there's an energy exchange there you've invested and so you're actually gonna you're telling the universe that you're actually taking this seriously and you want it Um, and that person meets you as well because they can see how seriously you're taking it and I think we can all get stuck you must know the concept then with digital marketing creating baby birds yeah that we create these people that just keep take take taking all the free stuff but are never big and strong enough to to do it themselves and to, to fly the nest so I definitely don't want to get into a habit of creating needy people or people that are offended if I charge for some things because some of what I well I'd like to think all of what I offer is useful, um, but they, they get more out of it if I charge them. True. Which is hard to convince some people. They feel quite offended, but that says more about them than it does about me. That is very true. <laughs> that is very true. And that's, as I said, like whether we like it or not, it allows you to be more um, selective. Mm-hmm. I guess it's probably the word I'm thinking about with the people that you want to align yourself with. Like 
it's and again i'm going to go back into like the pricing element now just to deep into i um la two years ago so i was like just kind of tip for me and i was like for my personal like one-to-one that i do consulting in different elements i was like actually this is how much i'm worth per hour and i was like oh and i felt very uncomfortable mm. for the first time ever and i was like I, I literally told the first person that came back to me, I was like, I don't have time to do a lot of stuff on consulting one-to-one. I'm running a full-time business on top of it. So this is how much, because yeah. it means that I can justify taking that time off. I told him, the guy was like, great. Yeah, yeah. send me the link, I'm going to pay straight away. And I was like, well, yeah. because you take action. I'm like, I know that there are people that are willing to pay for my time in that way. Somebody cannot, there are other options of things that they can do to get some help in other ways. Again, you know, within, within their budgets. But as you say, it's just putting their boundaries for yourself. Yeah. I yeah. think it's such a small thing and practice what you preach. It takes time to constantly realign with yourself. And that was the first time that I was like, actually I'm doing it just because I don't have time. Yeah. And this guy, if he does, if he's not committed, he's going to say no and I'm fine. I'm but I think on. that's a great, that's such a brilliant and quite, the trouble is that quite a lot of the people that I coach are very early days and they want to get their first clients and they're desperate to just say yes to anybody and anything and that you really have to get yourself into that abundance mindset rather than that scarcity mindset of if this person says no or it's too expensive there will be more people there are people out there that are willing to pay what I am charging and it's a brilliant way to price yourself based on well actually I don't have the time to do this work so if I had to squeeze it in somewhere it needs to be worth my while and actually that's quite an empowered position and the thing is for those of us who are just getting started with business and have feel like well I have loads of hours and I I'll just take any money, any, anything that people give me. We have to pull back from that and try and create more of that abundance um, idea of, no, I know how much my time is worth. I know what would feel good to earn from spending this time and giving my expertise. I'm going to stick to that no matter what, even if that means I'm going to go through a month or six weeks or two months or whatever it is, not earning quite as much as I want and trust fully and show up fully and find the people that are willing and do understand the value of what you're doing. And actually, you know what you said about just adding zeros for the sake of zeros mm. beforehand as well. And I think that kind of comes back to that. So I think it's worth mentioning because you say people that are just starting out. And I think it's very rightful to say you're going against the mindset again, are you? It's mainly mindset like abundance and scarcity is right there. But then I also think that, again, that's why I like the fact that there are still coaches supporting people at the beginning, because then you if you don't have the right people that they can actually you know, help you and support you, then you kind of go from like, I don't know how much I'm charging to, I need to get six figures tomorrow. Yeah. I, you know, like, and it's not that for the sake of doing it, you're not buying into that. You should buy into the lifestyle and the life that you want to live. Yeah. And this is a bit of a controversial topic, but I think that you need to really understand what your priorities are in life. If it's working less, then maybe you want to work with less people for a bit more money, but you know, you don't want to have as many clients. So you will have to find a way to make things work for you. And I find that, what we need to ask ourselves when we're starting out is am i trying to get a business that speaks to me rather than what a facebook ad is talking to me about i'm pretty sure a lot of people know what i'm talking about and it really pisses me off but and it's it it frustrates me that you said absolutely rightly it's a bit of a controversial topic and it's frustrating that it's controversial but we actually putting our hands up and saying you generally can't create a six-figure business in one year from leaving a full-time job like it that isn't normal for most people unless you've been doing a shit 
ton of work. I'm not sure if I'm, you have to might beat me out, mm. but unless you've done an awful lot of work in, in advance on your mindset and creating, you know, like we were saying, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. Like the, it, there's a lot of work that goes into this and there's a lot of reality we need to accept about the process of building these things and creating all these abundance mindsets, um, pricing ourselves correctly, learning how to market, learning what our niche is, and all of that, that just takes time. There's no way of fast tracking that. And ultimately, like you said, if we know where we're trying to get to, it kind of, it shouldn't matter how fast that all takes. We should just enjoy the process and go, I know where I'm going to try and get to. I know what my version of success looks like. And so I am going to, put the flipping blinkers mm -hmm. on and stop caring about, you know, make it have your first 10 K week or whatever someone's trying to say to you and just do you just do it in the way that you want to do and, tr and trust that it will take you to the end result that you want. And I guess is what you said with a lot of people feel that pressure in a very short amount of time. And in that period of time, my question would be how many mistakes are you allowed to make mm. really if you put in the pressure on yourself? Like in the last, in the past five years, I've, I've been in business for eight years for myself. In the first five years, I made loads of mistakes. I still made a lot after that, but the first five were a total mess. In a good way. I made great months, great many things and bad things. But because of that, now I know that I can, as I say, have that expertise, that confidence to say, this is where I am, this is what I'm worth, this is what I can do, this is what I cannot. If you don't allow yourself to have a bit of time to play with this yeah. and to actually you know, have the kindness to yourself, yeah. It's really hard, especially when you are basically, people like us are objectively uh, putting a price tag to our experience, our knowledge, and our willing to learn and to improve as humans and overall professionals. Mm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And I'm not saying that somebody that, that started TikTok yesterday cannot be a social media guru, but realistically speaking, there is a certain like track record yeah. of people that actually have the time to try it. And it would tend to be that someone that you think has just jumped on the scene actually has had years of experience. And like you said, failures, not all, not for, you know, however you want to, whatever you want to call them in inverted commas, things that haven't worked out in the past that I think we all need to be more honest. It's, I've got a guest coming onto the, my podcast next season to talk about this. We need to talk about things that didn't work out, stuff that didn't go quite how we expected and actually be like, it's not about the end result. It's not about that thing like oh I thought I was working towards this goal and earning this much money or having this many clients or creating this event and that working out it's about everything I learned along the way which will take me where I'm meant to be being taken and just trust that rather than being completely obsessed with well I didn't get the exact end result that I wanted therefore I'm a failure and you're right if you were to put yourself under pressure and say in 12 months I need to be earning 100 grand that is not giving you enough room to fall flat on your face the amount of times that you need to. <laughs> as uncomfortable as that makes people like me who are academically driven and always want to try and succeed, I've had to learn to embrace failing and things not working out and being like, actually, I'm going to do that thing, even though there is a chance that it won't work out. Not obviously not focusing and directing myself <laughs> on that, but being like, that is one of the options. And I have to be open to that um, in order to push myself out of my comfort zone and do it. And I guess we've got very now, thankfully, because my audience has grown as well. But we have quite, I think it's not a bit of a lapping, but not as much. I think you still like focus, as you say, a lot of naturally, you get a lot of clients that are slightly older, but not as much. But a lot of people that we support and we work with, we're kind of almost getting towards that because a lot of people are starting their own businesses mm -hmm. as well and they're becoming creative in different ways. But we also have a younger generation that I'm still like, one, if you cannot make the mistakes now, when are you going to make them? 
and two, you have that freedom to make those mistakes. And this is kind of what I would tell them. Like, it's like, okay, the mistakes are going to be good because they're going to support you when, you know, when you keep on growing as a person. What would you say to your people, though? Like the people that you think are a bit older and they're, as you say earlier, if I can quote that again, going through your 30s and like, is that it? Or would you tell them if they are scared of like, can I afford to make a mistake right now? Can I afford to try and not yeah. succeed? I would say you can't afford not to. Like you have to accept that that is going to be part of the process. Um, it was something I, I posted on my Instagram recently, um, seeing a client this week who said, I'd like to organize a meetup or I'd like to organize an event, but I'm, you know, there's a possibility no one will turn up and then I'll be sat there on my own and I'll feel really sad. But okay, like, um, yes, that is, a, that is an option. That is a possibility. Whilst not focusing on that, we need to accept that that might happen, but you won't learn how to run an event and how to attract people unless you give it a go. And so I would say you, and I need to learn this as much mm -hmm. as everybody else to actually embrace that as a possibility and just go into it going, I'm going to do something where there is a possibility that it won't work out, but, um, that's okay. And in fact, that's good. That's going to teach me probably more than it working out really well. Again, like I say, not that I'm trying to make things not work out, <laughs> but, um, but being open to that as a, as a real possibility rather than being afraid and shying away from it, because it will just stop us doing things. And I, I will only learn that, that sort of trope that I feel gets thrown around. And I don't think I really understood properly until I started digging into it myself that, fail fast fail hard you know keep failing as much as possible I don't think I truly got it until I actually stood back and thought actually I'm stopping myself doing events launching products do you know doing whatever it is because I'm afraid they're going to fail and actually I need to go I'm going to do that because it might fail exactly instead actually I want to sorry I want to read this because it's a quote that I love I don't know if you heard it uh, by Michael Jordan and it's about failing um, and I pretty much put it everywhere whenever I'm like I need a quote put it there <laughs> put it there <laughs> And I like it because it puts things in perspective. So to go back to what you just said, he says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And this is why I succeed. We both got goosebumps. We're like, shit, wow. It's a good, I mean, it's a good one. I like, there are plenty of those, but this one always stuck with me. Yeah. Is there's a Jim Carrey one as well, where he says, I really wish everybody could be a millionaire, have an amazing home and, you know, have a wildly successful career because then they'd realize that's not what it's all about. Again, it's that thing of getting back to, it's the journey. It's the, the lessons you learn along the way. It's getting out of your comfort zone. It's getting in touch with yourself, listening, trusting your instinct, being prepared to fall flat, that you'll learn more from all of that than the end result that happens. Um, we, we have to trust what, we, what we're given and know that that's been given to us for a reason for us to learn from. Have you ever heard of the rocking chair? I think it's called exercise, but I'm going to paraphrase here. Tony Robbins. Not quite, I might be familiar with to explain. So this is like old Tony, when my friend passed me the recordings of the cassettes from one of his programs. So we go back, God, it must be 20 years old. But I love that one and I still have it somewhere. And he talks about this example of the rocking chair and being like, imagine yourself being sort of 100, good, whatever age you want to be in your old age and in a rocking chair. And you're thinking about your life and you're thinking about the accomplishments. Mm. Obviously, it's a bit harder to project 
uh, think about what are the things that you're going to be thinking fondly of. And you're going to think fondly when you woke up at 8 a.m. to go into rush hour to get into your finance job. <laughs> or when you think about the time you're going to spend with your kids and, you know, your wedding or whatever it is. It just kind of reminds you that, you know, the experiences are what we really tap mm. into and to be a bit honest with ourselves yeah. when it comes to like the things that really matter in the really morbid last day, <laughs> last day. But it's true. Like, realistically speaking, we don't know. We have only right now to enjoy. So it's kind of like creating those little things that we can enjoy and we can remember when, you know, uh, when we have done all the experience that we wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, and celebrating those little things that happen along the way and no- noticing them where that principle of gratitude comes from, actually taking the time to appreciate all those tiny little things because the more we focus on those things, all the things that are going right and all the amazing things that do happen and work our way and give us what we want, the more we'll, we'll see more of them. So, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, no, one, no one's going to be on their dying, dying deathbed thinking, <laughs> I really wish I'd done another morning commute or I wish I'd spent more hours in the office or whatever it is. It's that's not the point of what, what we're doing it all for. Actually I'm gonna ask you something from Taipei to Taipei. <laughs> Personality. How do you help yourself? Because I have to help myself mm. finding those little small victories every day. Instead of just like no 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 go for time. Yeah. Gotta focus on the next thing. How do you how do you do that for yourself? I'm terrible at it. Okay. <laughs> completely that's why I being said. completely honest. <laughs> I even felt really cringy and I've told my Facebook group with wellness entrepreneurs in it, I, I really struggled to start a celebrate your wins Wednesday because I was like, oh, it's so cringy and I really struggled to do it, but I know it's really important. I have a journal, a, da- a daily um, planner that has a gratitude section at the end yeah. of it each day. So I have to force myself to do that. Um, and have had a gratitude diary in the past where I have made myself sit down in the mornings and in the evenings and write that. And I think naturally it helps you start to spot things throughout the day and actually just stopping and pausing but which i think really comes from meditation and mindfulness and again that's a, like a daily practice that i will try and do to just pause and notice where you are and go isn't this cool isn't this amazing like where i'm at and what i'm doing what i'm able to do and just be appreciative of it but it like you said it does not come naturally to me at all i'm always striving what's the next thing what's the next thing so um yeah i have to force myself through writing it down um and doing daily meditation to try and get my brain in that space actually um one little thing that i've seen as an you know implementation of the gratitude uh, list for example that you write was listening to somebody else so definitely not crediting myself to this but um he suggested as a way to kind of almost like level up to start even just like for a certain amount of time whether it's a month or for something like that and try and only write down specific things that happened to you in the last 24 hours mm-hmm. what he said again i think he's the researcher for happiness i think that's what it's called but i'll put the link in the show notes because i forgot his name but it's fascinating and he says that um, one of the problems that we have especially when it becomes a habit is that you're thankful for your husband you're thankful for your wife you're thankful for the sun it's great better than nothing but if you want to take things to the next level and add an extra level of really trying to look at things look about three things or whatever it is from the next 24 hours mm-hmm. only from the last 24 hours because it start training your brain to look for things in the mundane and in the in the now instead of just generic you know ticking the box kind of be like yep and it it does the effect wears off if you're doing that and if if you keep picking the same things every time like try and push yourself to think of 
different things every single time. So it does, like you say, it brings you back to the minutiae of what actually happened today. Was it just someone picking up my bag off the floor or was it someone cooking me lunch or was it it's something super, super tight, holding the door open for me or something that you can really pick up on? Because I do agree in that law of attraction that the more you focus on those things, the more you'll, you'll see them happening. Well, I, um, I would like the listeners to know that we completely got off piece what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let's get back on track. <laughs> but that is usually the best way, I think, isn't it? Just like going with the flow. Vicky, I'll do this now live. I'll invite you again to talk about email lists. Is that all right? Yeah, <laughs> next that's time. what I said we were going to talk about. <laughs> is that all right? Can we yeah. do it next time? Yeah. Will you be okay with that? Okay. Um, no, thank you so much uh, for being here with us today. Um, if people wanted to just find out more about you, one place that they would go, what would you say the first thing they should do? They want um, to connect with you. Best place to go is my website. So it's vickyshilling.com and that's got everything on there, the blog, the podcast and all my social media. You'll be able to find me and links to my Facebook group as well. Thank you so much, Sally. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group. <laughs>